KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the outdoor hour. We are off to a hot start already this week. So spicy. Real spicy. Real spicy. I'm Taylor Maples. That's Joshua Wildman Stratton. Unfortunately for all of you, I'm here still. He's here this week. Uh, Matt Goldbranson, Goldfish, behind the glass on the ones and twos. Hello, gentlemen. How are we this week? We're here. That's all I can ask for. Yep. Yeah. We are here. It's a short week. It's nice. It, it, those are always muchly, greatly appreciated, especially when football mm-hmm. season starts for yeah. this guy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Too much to do and not enough time. Yeah, because everything that had to get done on Monday is just now doubled on top of what has to get done on Tuesday and... I'm already in the weeds. Those of us with big brain energy did a little bit yesterday to get ahead. So, easy week for me. Well, so is your job. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell anybody in here, all right? We got a good one lined up for you this week. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour. We should talk some outdoor stuff. We've got a couple of guests. It's a full house in here this week. Dude, it's, it's warm in here. Due to all the bodies. Due to all the bodies. Some extra body heat. Yeah. We got a couple of guests this week. We got Rhett Acker from Oklahoma Drone Recovery in the studio. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. This is a really fun story. Um, And I'm excited to talk a little bit about how I met Rhett and just kind of that whole deal, how it came to be. Um, So we'll get into that. We've also got Wade Farrar with us. Uh, the Assistant Chief of Law Enforcement for the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. Wade, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here and not at my desk. Yeah. You know, I pity a fool that gets arrested by this dude. Folks, if you don't know, Wade, (laughs) his biceps are no BS about the size of my face. And uh, when I walked in, I thought, well, I screwed up, (laughs) forgetting that he was going to be here today. And it turns out he's just a guest. Yeah. That's outstanding. There are a lot of good reasons to run into a game warden. This might be the best. There's a lot of bad reasons to run into a game warden. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, for the first time on this show, a game warden in the studio. We do. Contrary to popular belief, we really enjoy these types of meetings better than we do the ones in the field, (laughs) especially the ones that go go bad. (laughs) I believe that. I believe that. And we appreciate these more than the ones in the field as well. Not because we're violators, but because we hate people who are violators. Um, So we're glad you're here today. I would like to say this is my least stressful interaction with a game warden of all time, but... That doesn't mean my palms aren't still a little sweaty. Just yeah, you're real close. <laughs> and, like, I love how game wardens and cops just always are – they're they're just authoritative in nature, right? And so they just sit there, and you're like, I don't know. This could go south at, like, any point in time. Like, I, like maples could end up in the floor, on the floor, in handcuffs, doing the rest of the show. I've got a know. really good idea. Why don't we quit roasting the law enforcement officer? We're not. We're roasting you. <laughs> hey, it's all about command presence, and when I'm present, I want to be in command. And you are, sir. Yes, sir, very <laughs> much so. <laughs> that is not what we're about here today, though. No, it's not. Wade is here to help us kind of dive into what has become a really uh, hot topic in the outdoor category. Um, We're going to talk a lot today about drones, thermal drones specifically, and their implications and use for deer recovery. Yeah. Something that I first was exposed to actually on TikTok. 
um, cruising around the Outdoor Hour TikTok page, which you can follow us at Outdoor underscore I should hour. probably do that, huh? You probably should. Interesting. I didn't even know we had that. Yep. It's weird. You say it at the end of every episode. But almost every episode. Yeah. However, this is something that I've run into. People using drones to go out and track deer um, after harvest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we're not talking about animal harassment here. Nope. We're not. Uh, that's why Wade's here to make sure that we right. don't cross any of those lines. Um, but this is actually a really cool thing. So, Rhett and I first got introduced via the Oklahoma Bow Hunters Facebook group. You had posted something in there a couple of weeks ago. Um, did, I, you, did you have a bad shot again? No. Did you have to utilize his services? No. Oh, I figured that's how you guys met. Not not for another <laughs> 30 days, 26 days, something like that. But trust me, you'll be on speed dial. Um, Save to favorites. Seriously. Yeah, I've tried the bloodhound route. Didn't Next, hard. we're going to try the thermal drones. That's a story for another day. However, I met Rhett um, on this group. I saw you posted a picture, kind of an advertisement that you were getting this deal going. Um, and I friended you, I messaged you and said, Hey, I've seen this. I'm really interested in this. You should come on the show and talk with us. Right. Um, what I did not know is at the same time you were slowly building a relationship with Craig Griffith, yep. uh, who runs the Oklahoma bow hunters group and Jace Brewer, who has been on this show a number of times. He's a close friend of mine. Um, and is my wife's assistant coach out he's, for OBU he, softball. He's literally paid to hang out with uh, <laughs> He with literally Taylor. is. Yeah. Really paid literally. to hang out with my wife more so. I wasn't going to say that on yeah, air, but good for okay. you. Yeah, just step right in it, man. <laughs> wow. We can edit that out. Bones, I would so. edit that one out, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, so right, we connected. Shortly thereafter, Craig brought your name up to me. Immediately after that, Jace brought your name up to me, and it was just like, this is really cool how, how this is all connected, that the three of us have each run into you with that interest in what you're doing. And it it doesn't sound like this is something brand new to you. The application for deer is, but this technology is something you've been using for business for a little while, right? Man, so we started, we started back in January. Well, we bought the drones back in January. Um, and then the off season from January to now, we've been doing uh, quite a bit of recovery work for pets, cattle, goats, livestock, things of that nature. Uh, worst case scenario, people. Um, so you know, using drones to recover things is is not new. I mean, we've been doing that for years. But uh, branching off into this type of technology, the thermal drone portion, that's new to us. Um, but truthfully, I mean. It's all ran the same. It's just a button that that runs the thermal. You know what I mean. So, um, but yeah, this is uh, some incredible technology, man. That that I think is going to revolutionize, you know, recovery. As outdoorsmen, that recovery piece is uh, so important, right? Because we don't want to be just out there wounding animals, um, especially some of the primarily as a bow hunter. I did not realize how much more work there is after you take a shot than there is even leading up to taking the shot a lot of times. That first time I shot a deer, I was not prepared for what the next few hours were going to look like. Um, It was not a great shot for starters. It ended up with some bloodhounds and all of that kind of stuff. Again, long story for another day, but um, this technology that you're using really is cutting the the learning curve it's cutting down i'm sure i'd love to see some stats on this and you guys may know this but the number of uh animals that are recovered i'm sure is going to skyrocket in the coming years because there are people out there doing what you're doing now right well i hope so i mean that's the goal right i mean at the end of the day uh the, the ultimate goal is is getting that animal back to the hunter um you know in, in terms of a conservation point of view um but I mean, we owe it to the animal. We owe it to ourselves. We, you know, we put a lot of work into what we're doing, uh, sacrificing a lot of time to do this. So, um, I mean, I hope so, right? I mean, that's we're going to be taking those stats. That's something that we're going to be monitoring throughout the season and kind of seeing, okay, what's our success rate um, compared to, you know, say other means or other methods of, of recovery. And hopefully uh, we can come back and say, yeah, you know, we've had a little bit more success uh, due to the – uh, technology we're utilizing, um, but like you said, that's that's still yet to come. Have you seen this, Josh? A thermal <clears> drone? <throat> yeah, used yeah. for recovery. Uh, no. Okay. No. 
you should cruise TikTok a little bit more. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> I will speak with a human uh, in person about it uh, and get their thoughts. I'll leave the TikToking to you, sir. That's fine. Yes. I do a great job. Yeah. Um, you know, as you know, when you brought this up last week uh, that we were having this, you know, as a guy who loves dogs, it's hard for me to like step away from like not wanting to follow a dog just because any chance I can get to work with a dog in the field, I'm like, let's go, you know, like I'm in, I'm all in. Um, but I understand that the advantages, uh, of the technology. And I think it's important for us to look, I will say, you know, being someone who working for a conservation organization, being someone who spends a, a fair amount of time out West, you know, I can't even fly a drone the same day I'm going to go hunt in most of the places when I'm filming a project. Um, you know, they're very, very strict about animal um, harassment. You know, I spend a fair amount of time in states now that are banning trail cams. Uh, so when I think about the use of this technology, my fear becomes, and probably maybe the wildlife department, Wade, you guys have uh, s- some similar thoughts is like, how do we put in proper either legislation or how do we put in proper procedure to ensure that, you know, we're limiting the bad guys using, utilizing a good tool for the wrong thing? And uh, would love to hear, you know, from your perspective, what do we have out there? Um, are there more opportunities? Is there a chance for guys like yourself who are doing it the right way to to stand your industry up and legitimize it and create some structure around it to ensure that we don't have uh, people taking advantage. Well, you guys have already hit on the on the fact that this is a great tool. Um, when, when somebody shoots an animal, we want them to recover that animal. Um, we already allow people to hunt, them, um, hunt for them or look for them out of a, a four-wheeler or out of a pickup or use a spotlight as long as there's not a, a firearm present. Um, the way I look at this is this this is just another tool just like those. Um, you know, why do we go sit in the in the football stadium to watch a football game and we get high so we can see, right? That's why the coordinators sit in the boxes. The higher you get, the better you can see it. Um, as an agency, we don't have any drones that we are using currently. Um, we do have thermals, and we find a lot of animals that people have shot um, illegally, you know, off the roadway, drive by with a spotlight, um, you know, laying on our season, they hear a gunshot, they call us out before drones, or before thermals, excuse me. We were just out there on our own looking around for blood, um, just like a hunter would normally go look at one with a flashlight. Um, may or may not find it. It's definitely going to take a lot of time to find that animal. Now they drive by with the thermal and they find it within minutes. Um, then we just find a place to hide and wait for them to come back and get it. So that's awesome, being able to, you know, you guys also utilizing this tool to to catch the bad guys if you will uh is is there has there let me break my brain up here for a second jeez don't hurt yourself golly i about blew up um for you in the sense of surveying skills right like i think about a drone from a camera perspective a videographer perspective um the training that goes into that was there a certain skill set of how to utilize that uh, drone, whether that be grid mapping or, 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 you know, that you have learned that you feel like elevates you above some of the other people that are out there? But what are some of the unique skills above and beyond just obviously operating a drone and being licensed through, you know, the processes that you have to go through? What uh, What's unique about utilizing a drone for recovery? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if these skills sort of set me apart. I mean, <clears throat> I think anyone who, who... Hey, you can flex, bro. It's okay. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, I, I, I try to stay humble, but, uh, you know, um, I, I feel like anyone who, who's kind of running drones, they, they we're all sort of the same in, in terms of, you know, how we maneuver, how, how we look at a mission, how we look at a job, especially if you go through Part 107. Um, the FAA does a, a tremendous job sort of grounding you to, to what you can, you cannot do. So it helps you uh, at least develop a foundation, a baseline, a footprint of sort of how you can navigate some of these things from a legal, from a, uh, from a legal point of view, but also more from like a practical point of view. So whenever we do a, a survey, you're exactly right. What we do, and even in a recovery, if we're having to 
go out and we're searching a 300 acre track, man, we'll, we'll gridline uh, that out. And the reason being is because what I've noticed is if we don't gridline that out, then all of a sudden it becomes very sporadic and you're just all over the place. And let me tell you something, um, you can get very lost and it may sound strange. You can get lost in a hurry uh, up in the air and not knowing what ground you've covered, not knowing if you've, if you've, if you've done this, if you haven't done this. So being able to have a little bit of structure not only provides confidence to the customer of, hey, you know, all of our uh, I's are dotted, our T's are crossed, but it also provides you uh, more likelihood of being able to capture everything in that region so you're not overlooking something. Yeah. Are you – so let's say I give you a call. Are you going to the point where someone is giving you a general location, hey, you know, dropping you a pin, utilizing Onyx or some some other uh, app and saying, hey, this is where I was when I shot it. This is the last place I saw it. And then are you guys uploading – are you creating a flight path, uploading GPS coordinates and kind of auto, if you will, sending it on a flight path? Or are you guys – utilizing any type of service we were overlaying and then just actually manually watching that and flying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now this will be our first deer season. So we haven't done a job where anyone's called us out to recover a deer with the thermal. Now, uh, a non-thermal, yes, that's, that's what would happen. Yeah. Uh, we would, we would, uh, we would fly that manually. Okay. But, but this, with this drone, um, you're able to actually pull up the map. You're able to uh, determine, you know, the coordinates that you yep. want to search. Uh, so that's that's what we'll do. Nice. Um, rather than overlaying a, a software, we'll just sort of map that out, press go, let it do it, let it do its thing, or um, we'll just what it does. Well, have you ever seen a? Uh, ever been on a boat and you know how oh, yeah. how how the how the uh, oh, what's waypoints the, the way yeah where where it shows your path that you've mm-hmm. been. Yep. So. We'll do that a lot. We'll manually gridline instead yep. of you know developing coordinates. We'll just manually gridline and we'll just uh, monitor that line as we go up and down, up and down. So we may we may go up one, we may move over seventy five yards and then come back, move yep. over seventy five yards and come back. On the drone, you have how wide of a you know kind of band of, of like the aperture? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of the infrared is that? Yeah, so. I mean, obviously, the higher you go, or the thermal, wider your sorry. screen, yeah. right? The, high, the higher you go, the wider, wider your screen. Are you, are you talking about that, or are you talking about more so like... How wide out from, okay, I have, let, let's say I'm at, you know, 3,000 feet in the air. How far out from underneath the drone, mm-hmm. both north, south, east, and west? Like, are you will serving reg- an acre at a time? Yeah, like or... how far will it register? Yeah. Like a, a heat, tr- you know... Signature? Yeah, thank you. Oh, I got you. (laughs) Struggling today, boy. (laughs) So, okay. So you're, you're asking, okay, if, if I've got a, say a hog, right? Cause we've, we've looked at hogs. If I got a hog that's down and I'm up hundred feet, what does that look like compared in the thermal compared to at 300 feet? Virtually the same. It's Ah, it's amazing. So you're able, yeah, it's amazing. So at 350 feet, you're able to pick up armadillos, coons, um, anything like that. I mean, it, it, it's phenomenal how, how how accurate this thing is. So if I'm understanding your question correctly, though, Josh, I think what you're trying to get at is do you have to have the drone directly over your target to pick up that signature or how far away? That's what I'm getting at. Like, how, okay. like how, how far to, for, you know, what's that scope? Yeah. You know, because in my brain, I'm like, well, dude, if you could be at like 3,000 feet and that camera is seeing an acre or more worth of you're going to see land, every living thing. And, and it and it yeah. can register all of that. Golly, what what a tool. Like how quickly you could be able to pick an animal up. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, you that know, is not how it works. <laughs> no. that well, not, that, I, that's what I just heard, <laughs> Taylor. That is not how this works, sir. Well, man, so we're limited to 400, right? So we hover typically around 390. And um, it, it depends really the positioning of your gimbal, right? So, like, imagine this. Uh, imagine this is the face of the gimbal, and you guys on hearing this can't see it, but I'm, I'm moving my fist up and down. Okay, this is the camera, right? The gimbal comes down, looking straight down. The gimbal comes up. You're looking more out. Yep. You can pick up um, cattle, hogs, deer, several hundred, if not a thousand yards out with 
you know, as soon as you point it down. What? But when, yeah, whenever you go down, um, you know, you're still picking that up, but you're not having the vast range that you have whenever you're you have this gimbal pointed upward. So um, there, there's really no risk of being able to miss something, you know, as long as it's as long as long as there, there's some sort of heat element exposed. Nice. Let's do this. Let's squeeze in a break here. When we come back, I want to get into a little bit more of the legality of this. Wade, I know this has been a really <clears throat> hot topic for you and your work. Um, and we're going to learn more about using thermal drones. And I also want to make sure that people know how they can find you if they can't find a deer that they kill this year in Oklahoma. So let's squeeze in a break. When we come back, more with Wade Farrar and Rhett Acker inside the Outdoor Hour. Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your host, Taylor Maples, on 1077 The Franchise and the Franchise Mobile App. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour. We are joined this week by Rhett Acker, who owns Oklahoma Drone Recovery, and Wade Farrar, the Assistant Chief of Law Enforcement, for your Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. There it is. <laughs> it's been a while since we've gotten to do yeah, that. Yeah, the muscle. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I was out yesterday on my deer lease, uh, just getting some things ready to go for Thanks the year. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, deer season's right around the corner. Um, I put about 20 miles on the Pedego e-bike yesterday. boy. It was a blast. I was out there with a couple of guys who were ripping around on their four-wheelers and in their trucks, and nobody saw any wildlife at all. I saw three bucks. I saw two does, all kinds of birds. It's just amazing. I was reminded again yesterday how much more um, aligned with nature you can be with that e-bike compared to just tromping around on my bare feet or being on a four-wheeler. It was a blast. I mean, this thing is literally like having a dirt bike with a silencer on it. It's super cool. Yeah, that... hmm. I it's like it. super cool. I like it. Yeah. I've got it's very the, quiet. The Pedego Element is the bike that I'm using right now. Made for the big boys. Yep, exactly. Us big boys. But it's got the big, like, fat tires that you can yeah. go through sand. These are run flat tires as well. Literally, I was leaving yesterday and I was running a little bit late because of who I am as a person. And uh, I didn't have enough air in the tires. And I was like, I could pull out the air compressor, get it all hooked up, or I could just go ride it as is. And I literally put 20 miles on it yesterday with basically flat tires because that's the type of bike it is. That's um, outstanding. Yeah. For a guy like you. <laughs> <laughs> Big boy on a little bike, yeah. flat tires, had Dude, a blast, I suspension shocks. Um, so check out Pedego OKC. Go see Lance. He is on MacArthur Boulevard, just west of Lake Hefner at Pedego OKC. Mention the outdoor hour, and they'll save you a little bit of money while you're there. Listen, whether you're trying to use it like I do uh, on a deer lease to get in, go further, do those things discreetly, or you just want to elevate your fitness game, maybe you want to ride it around Lake Hefner. Yeah, maybe you're too far in the weeds to really just jump out there unsupported. Sure. You know, and you you need a little help. The ability to choose your level of... Um, of exertion based on how far you want to go, how hard you want to work. I've gone 16 miles in a day without pedaling on one single charge. And then on days like yesterday when I'm okay, you know, getting after a little bit, you can go much further, obviously. Yeah, if you're built like us and not like Wade, yeah, it is a great option. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So check yeah. out Pedago OKC. Wade, we're going to change gears a little bit, and I'm going to ask you something off the uh, cuff here. Um, e-bikes are another one of those hot Uh-oh. topics around the country, right? Um, how does that fit in with Oklahoma? It's a pretty good lead into what we're going to talk about that wasn't coming off the cuff. So, okay. um, we talk about hunting with the aid of a motor vehicle. That is what has kept people from being able to use an e-bike in the past, especially on our public hunting areas. Um, the, the legislature changed the, the definition of a motorized vehicle and, e-bikes under a certain wattage are not considered a motorized vehicle anymore so that allows them to be to be ridden um, just like a normal pedal bicycle is that a state legislature thing that's just for oklahoma i believe it was changed federally also but but our state legislature changed it okay. in statute that's awesome well that is a segue into what we were talking about today with our uh thermal drone recovery as josh makes faces in the corner 
but Rhett... yeah, we'll stay away from that one. <laughs> I will keep us. We not don't have in a enough time. Hole. We today do not. There's not enough time for that. There's not hole. enough time. Red Acker, our guest this week with Oklahoma Drone Recovery. Um, even during the breaks, even just in the lobby before we came in, I think this has been a really beneficial thing for you, Rhett, to just get to pick Wade's brain and learn a little bit more about how you can legitimize this business, what you can do to not only protect uh, your investment in this industry, but also set yourself apart from the competition. I know kind of the big elephant in the room is where are the lines drawn in terms of the legality of this? What protections do you as the business and drone operator need to have? Um, And how do you work with law enforcement rather than against law enforcement to maximize and meet all of the same goals, right, of of harvesting deer ethically and recovering those animals, but doing it within the bounds of not only – you know, state legislature, but landowner rights and all of these kinds of things. So, Wade, why don't we just open it up to you? Let's start big picture. Is it legal to use thermal drones for deer recovery? All right. Well, first of all, let's take the thermal off of it and just talk about a drone in general. So you can just call it an airplane. I mean, that's what, that's what it is, and that's what it's considered as far as federal law goes with the Airborne Hunting Act. Um, Airborne Hunting Act is act is was done by Congress, and it says you cannot aid someone in taking an animal with the aid of an airplane. So um, as long as you're not in the in the field with means of take, so you don't have the weapon with you, um, you could fly that drone around all over the property and look around. Uh, no different than if you were in a P- Piper Cub and you float around, flown around your property with that. As long as you don't have a gun with you, you're good to go. Is in the state of Oklahoma, is there a... Um time period that you have to wait before you can go in and hunt that property there is not Um, a lot of states have done that but but our state has not um if you look at the actual law that would keep you from doing that it's going to be title 29 bore you with some law stuff section 5203.1 is the headlighting statute and a section c of that is where you talk about um what we just call hunting with the aid so you're using a motorized vehicle to aid in the hunt so, and it talks about air, land, and water conveyances. Okay. So, um, you know, we allow people to drive a four-wheeler around on a property. We allow people to drive a pickup around on a property as long as they're not using that to hunt with. So, if you get the drone in the air and people are down on the ground and you're spotting for them with the drone, that's obviously going to be against the rules. But if all methods of take are put away and the drone's in the air, you're good to go in the daylight. Yeah, so that that's a good, that's a good segue, right? Because one of the questions that, that we get a lot is okay what happens if you're doing a job and you find a deer and he's not dead and he's just wounded at what point okay what do you do at that point and wade certainly can can't answer this better than i can but the the way that i've understood the law is that if well one if it's after hours you can't go in after that deer anyhow is that correct correct yeah so you know in the event that we find a, a deer that's wounded um you know, it would be illegal as as a way to alluded to to say, okay, uh, Taylor, go thirty yards, then head back north, and then you know go to another fifteen yards with the drone up in the air. Um, so the 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 proper method of going about that is you stow away the drone and say it's during daylight, right? Within out within hunting hours, um, you stow away the drone. At that point, when it's stowed away, all the firearms were put away while the aircraft was in the air. You stow away the drone. We're going about our business. Those guys can legally pursue. <clears throat> those guys can legally pursue that animal, uh, since there's there's no drone in the air in the aid of that deer or catch. That seems wild. I'm not gonna lie. That seems like. Could, how do we? And and this isn't to to crap on anything, but like I'm sitting here as a, as a hunter and I'm going, oh man, I'll just call home dude and be like, hey, I got a deer down. And you're going to come over and you're going to fly a drone. And th- there was no one there to ensure that there was a shot on that deer already taken. So how do we prevent people calling? Because that seems like a massive loophole to me in, in the laws that, you know, I would think that if you flew a drone and that per- and they would have to wait 24 hours. The idea that they could then just go walk back into the field and you've told them where it is 
and you're like, oh, it's still alive, but hey, it's cool now because my drone's put away. That seems a little spicy. But by state statute that, that I was just references, referencing, um, you could do that exact same thing on a four-wheeler or in a pickup. If you drive that motorized vehicle in there yeah. and you see it, now you can go afield with your gun and, and take that animal. I think what feels like the big difference, I understand what you're saying by the definitions, but I think what feels like the big difference is is you are going to severely disrupt the patterns and the day of that game species by driving a four-wheeler through that field. You're not going to disrupt its pattern as much by being in the airspace. Oh, you will. They don't like it. But not on the same <laughs> level, right? Like, you're you're saying it's an advantage. I would say, I don't think, and I mean, we just talked about Pedego e-bikes at the top of the segment. I don't think that driving a four-wheeler in gives me an advantage. There's not a competitive advantage to me with a game species by being on a gas-powered anything. But a drone, maybe there's an edge there. I mean, other states believe it's an edge to the point that I can't be in an air. I can't hunt the same day I'm in an airplane, and I sure as heck can't fly a drone the same day I'm hunting. Like that's just the rules. Like there ain't nothing you can do about it. And as a producer of content in my day job, man, that sure is annoying as all get out. Sometimes, like I get, you know, I, I wish there was a way to get around it where I could say, hey, but I'm out. I'm, I'm, we're out here, you know, filming something. But I understand where they're coming from. And well, those are some of the same states that have said it's an advantage for you to use a trail camera. This is true, which is also we won't go into the weeds on that one. But, you know, I, that that on a conservation level, thank goodness it hasn't affected like conservation work. Like we can legally still be putting cameras on projects, which is vitally important to us as a conservation organization in my day job to make sure that the work we're doing is fruitful. Right. Um, and man it's mind-blowing to me that um that could maybe be not an option um at some point in time just the data you receive is so vital um and there's going to be people who are going to take advantage of it and you know for the states that that have banned it most of them this all comes from a premise of people taking advantage right so you had privatized hunting guides on public land utilizing trail cams to drop pins to people or to sell locations to other individuals to capitalize off of their camera placement. And their response to that was, oh, well, I guess we better ban trail cams. I think that that is a general theme of law enforcement in general, though. You're kind of playing at the speed of the lowest common denominator. And Which is pretty the, low. The lowest common <laughs> ethical denominator as well. Is pretty low. Sure. Yeah. Well, Wade... When I called you and asked you if you'd come on this show with us, you didn't hesitate at all. You were all about it and, and having this conversation with us, and I'm grateful for that for starters. But it sounds like this has been something that is is getting your office's attention, um, whether by choice or just the demand of us DIY hunters or whoever out there. Um, what concerns you about this as a law enforcement officer? We have been getting a lot of phone calls and emails both about this, um, all for it, people wanting to do it. Um, but with anything um, in the enforcement realm, you have to look at the side of, well, how are people going to abuse this? Um, you know, murder is against the law, and it's, you know, most of us aren't ever going to commit murder, but it still has to be against the law, right? So um, same thing with this. Um, what I would like to see happen with this is not a, not a law or, you know, a, a rule change to ban it, but to legitimize it. Um, same thing with hunting guides and taxidermists and, and things to protect protect the the pilot in this instance, the landowner and the hunter. Um, and, our, and our natural resource itself, right? Correct. Yep. So how do we go about doing that? And we, were, we were talking about this during the break a while ago. Um, first, I, I, would lo- I would love to see it where they have to have written permission um, or at least spoken permission from the landowner that says, yes, it's okay for you to fly that drone on my property and the guy that was supposed to be there that hunted the hunted the animal. Um, second, I would love to see it done by licensed pilots. Um, all licensed pilots are licensed through the FAA and all their all their flights are tracked um, some some way, shape, or form. 
um, on GPS where you can see where the drone went, how long it was there, the path it took. Um, and then thirdly, I would like to see it where they have to contact the game warden and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to this property. We're going to be doing this while we're there. Um, most people aren't going to call the game warden out if they're going to be breaking the law. So if they're calling us out there, more than, more than likely the game warden's going to be there. And as I mentioned during the break, you may not ever see him, but he's probably there watching. Yeah, so some simple, you know, protocols to follow to, you know, as you state, legitimize the business um, and the industry as a whole. Um, man, I, I, I'm not a big time guy on let's put a lot of legislation out there, but this is one that I think uh, w- would do wonders um, for you as a as an operator yourself, but also uh, for for the sport. You know, I think, and we haven't really talked about this much, but I think one of the things that prevents new people from hunting and angling is the the barriers, right? And one of those. I think that often goes um, untalked about is like, well, what if I do take a bad shot? What do I do? The last thing I want to do is harm an animal I'm never going to find. Any good hunter is going to tell you that exact same thing, right? We take it very personally. Um, We carry that burden uh, with us that if we're going to attempt to take the life of an animal, we want to do everything we can to make sure that it comes home with us and we do it in in the most ethical way possible. I would think that if I was new to this and I knew that there was a a better option to finding that if something were to go not as planned, which turns out that's what happens more often than not in nature is it's not as planned, um, that I had someone I could rely on, that I could call uh, to come out and assist with that, that that would bring me a lot of comfort. Yeah, um, and I'll I'll kind of revert back to what we can do to sort of legitimize this thing. And this is coming from someone who, 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 I mean, we're in, we're in this industry, right? I would even advocate for, uh, if anyone wants to be in this type of business, that a permit is required to sort of, uh, you know, add some sort of integrity to, uh, the structure, the, the business itself. Um, you know, on top of what you've mentioned, Wade, uh, I think that if folks are going to want to do this right, then they're going to be willing to, to to have some skin in the game. That that's my interpretation. That that's my opinion. Folks may may not like that, but um, no, you're exactly right. I think that uh, you know if, if and I think I think once once we got once we get out there and and people start seeing what this looks like. Now, I'm not naive, right? I mean, we know that going into October one. You know, it's going to be much more difficult, probably locate a deer than it's going to be on November one, right? Because by then the the foliage will probably be more off or, or falling off, things of that nature. Um, but if 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 we can get out there and, and show folks that hey, look, you know, for for the majority of the the season, these deer cannot hide from us. Nothing can hide from us. Um, the 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 thermal absolutely takes that factor away we're going to be able to locate this deer either dead or alive if it's within a general vicinity right so i think if if we get out and communicate that story that uh what that may what that may do is that may provide some level of comfort knowing that uh okay um you know i've got a bad shot now we can call in uh perhaps someone who has a drone and 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 sort of get this thing located. Our good friend Jace Brewer has a perspective that I love. We were talking before the show started, Rhett, about um, the crossover between lessons in the outdoors and lessons in sports. And um, I love this perspective. He talks all the time about, especially as a bow hunter, when we go out into the field, you're always the visiting team. The deer, the game you're pursuing, have every advantage just because that's the way God made them. That's their environment. That is, that's their domain. And we're going in, and we're the visiting team. Um, and if you've ever made a bad shot, like I have made several, you quickly realize the game doesn't end as soon as you make that shot. You feel the burden, like Josh alluded to, of going and finding that animal and, you know, I like to process my own meat. So, I mean, the, the work really just begins once I loose that arrow. But to know that I could have someone like you on speed dial 
that can help cut down that disadvantage I have, I mean, you can really name your price, really, is the way I look at this. Because I've used dogs. Josh, you're a big dog guy. I love working behind a dog. I trust thermals more than I trust the nose on that dog, I think. Um, so I think it's really cool what you're doing. We got one more segment ahead. Um, I want to get in a little bit more weight. I want to make sure we give you enough space for any of this legal stuff that we need to be aware of, aware of as consumers, uh, even just to help advise Rhett or anybody else that's interested in this space. Um, and we've got more of that ahead. If you're in the market for a hunting hide this year, I recommend Oki Hides. You've heard me talk about them for a couple of years now. They are made here in Oklahoma City by Oklahomans, and now they're all over the world. These things are unbelievable in how they're manufactured. They are over-designed, over-built. The guys that put these together are welders and fabricators by trade and outdoorsmen by choice, and they've really come up with a product that perfectly crosses over into both of those spaces. They're constantly going above and beyond. They're renovating their plans. If you need different floor sizes, different heights, different ladder configurations, all of this stuff, they will custom build something for you. Their newest model that they just sent to South Texas has an air conditioning unit in it. Literally tell them what you need on your property and they will find a way to make it work. Call Oki Hides or check them out online at okihides.com. You can find them on social media at Oki Hides. That's O-K-I-E Hides on social media. Uh, tell them that I told you to check them out. They won't be surprised. They're the best blinds you can find. Join us on the Outdoor Hour after this. Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your host, Taylor Maples, on 1077 The Franchise and the Franchise Mobile app. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour. Final segment this week, Wade Farrar, the Assistant Chief of Law Enforcement for your Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. And Rhett Acker is here as well with Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company. Really the big piece I think we were trying to get to this week, besides just telling the story and maybe informing listeners about this new technology and how you can help them, Rhett, I want to make sure before we get out of here we give your contact, whatever you've got that people can uh, use to get a hold of you when they need help recovering deer this year. Um, But, Wade, the big piece was just the legality of this. I think there's still a lot of questions. We've talked about um, the use of tools in the outdoors, uh, but obviously a lot of this kind of stuff changes when you hit sunset and you leave shooting hours and all of that. Um, What does that change for you guys? Well, if we look at you know the use of the drone with a thermal at night, um, we had to look at headlighting. Um, so we look at the state statute that defines that as a as a powerful light in conjunction with a firearm. So when somebody's shot a deer, they're out looking for the deer after hours. We allow the use of a spotlight, a flashlight, a lantern, a thermal, whatever they're whatever they're using, as long as it's not in conjunction with a firearm. So we look at this the same way. Um, we've already said it's okay to fly the drone as long as all methods of take are put away. So same thing applies here. If they've got a thermal on the drone, they've got a spotlight on the drone, um, whatever, as long as there's no, no means of take, um, as long as it's not in conjunction with a firearm, we're good with it. So dumb question probably, but we find an animal that's wounded. We shot it right at last light. You know, I've got red on speed dial because... He lives down the road. He gets there a couple hours later. We've let it sit, but it wasn't a good shot, right? Uh, The animal has not expired. It's still there. Um, Is, from a legal perspective, is it our job to just wait that out at that point? Um, You still have to wait for the the proper shooting hours to shoot the animal and put it down. So just because you wounded it and you found it, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, um, you can't shoot that animal until... 30 minutes before sunrise the next morning. So um, just because you found it doesn't give you the, the the authority to go ahead and dispatch it. Yep. Okay. Interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. I feel like that's obvious. Um, 
but it's nice to have out there and just know. Yeah, I mean, it, it fits in line with my statement earlier that I feel like there should be some period of pause. Like at least they, you still have to follow, you know, these these you know laws and uh, that the are already general set guidelines yes. still apply. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've learned that there's nothing obvious when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, there's just so many questions. You yeah. Know? They're like, and I understand where people have them, man. They're, you know, some of these gray lines, you know, because, you know, when the regs were written, this technology wasn't even a thought, right? So weird. It's like, I, I wonder if the wildlife department could get some legislative help to, uh, you know, modernize their business. All of you representatives who continue to get in the way. That's my personal statement, not that of anyone else on this call right now. <laughs> what I think is really cool, uh, just hearing this story and, Rhett, seeing your interest in this and your excitement, there's a real passion here for this. And when you and I first met a couple of weeks ago, you said, hey, if you want to get involved in this, it's going to take a lot of your own hunting hours away. You're not going to get to sit nearly as much as you want. You had a whole list of sacrifices that I would have to make if I wanted to get involved with doing this with you. So I guess my question to you is, why would you do this? Man, I tell you, um, I just love to serve folks. And here there's two passions that came and they intersected with one another. One is to serve and two is the outdoors. And I know what it's like to have um, lost a deer. I mean, good grief. As a kid, I, I lost a buck and uh, God, that was, that was miserable, right? So if I can come in and, and help uh, someone um, recover a deer that especially if it's their first first deer or whatever right doesn't matter um then then by all means that's that's what i want to do even if it cuts into my own time right even if it sacrifices into our own time uh fortunately i have a wife who supports us 100 percent and um can't you know can't do that without her so uh yeah man i just got a servant's heart and want to want to help folks so your company is oklahoma drone recovery company how can people get a hold of you so they can go to my website oklahoma drc.com um there we have some service requests you can fill out uh you can also go to our facebook oklahoma drone recovery co um and obviously uh instagram tiktok oklahoma drc so uh our we're on google as well if you type us in you'll be able to find us but reach out uh, we'd love to talk to you love to chat it up um get to know you and and you know, hopefully help you out this year. What do both of you guys want hunters to know before they pick up the phone to call Rhett? And you're talking about off the cuff. That one was off the cuff. Um, <laughs> we want people to be able to recover their animal. There's nothing worse. Um, like Rhett said a minute ago, your your son or daughter shoots their first deer and you can't help them um, find it. You can't. You search and search. Um, my my youngest shot his first buck at nine. Um, been two years ago now. I'm colorblind, um, so that God put me at a great disadvantage when I'm going to look for blood, especially during youth season when things are still green, um, green, orange, and red to me, not just green. Um, the first buck he shot, I knew the buck was hit good. I knew he knew it went down soon. It's dark. It's tall grass. We lost blood. To see him in tears because he wasn't going to be able to, to recover that deer was just brutal. Um, luckily, I told him I was going to go get the pickup and come pick him and his brother up, and I walked around the tree, and it was laying right there. So um, we recovered that deer. But, but just having someone to call that can come and help. Um, dogs are great. Dogs are good. In a lot of situations, they're going to be better than a drone, and there's a lot of situations where a drone's going to be better than a dog. So uh, just having another resource to, to reach out to is going to be great. Yeah, and I'll add to that, man, if if you make a bad shot and you know it's a bad shot and you're not feeling comfortable about it, the, I think instinct from an instinct point of view, you know, we want to go and look for it right right off the bat. Um, and I'm not saying don't do that, but just know that the more we're trampling around, you know, inside the woods, things like that, the more disturbance we're creating, which could be bumping that deer. So if we if you think you made a bad shot, then just give us a call. You know, allow, you know, allow that deer to do whatever it needs to do, go bed down or whatever. So another thing I want folks to know is that we are not out to steal their money. So we're out, we're going to be evaluating every circumstance, you know, that they're under every situation, whether it's thick, whether it's open, whatever. We want folks to know that if we're going to come out and do a job, then, uh, 
we, we want them to know that we've done our due diligence and have evaluated that area and we're feeling comfortable coming out. We're not just coming out to, to take money. We're coming out with the understanding that, hey, we feel confident that we can locate this deer if it's in the general area. So um, that's what I want folks to know. All right. Well, one more time, right? Give us uh, where people can get a hold of you at. Yes, sir. So Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company on Facebook, Oklahoma DRC is our website. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you all for listening. All right. We got just a couple of minutes left here, but Josh, I know this is a, a big time year. There's a lot of stuff going on. What do you got for us on the calendar? Yeah, a lot a lot going on. Uh, September 22nd, we've got the International Fly Fishing Film Festival. Uh, J.D. Adams is putting on at uh, Cross Timbers Brewery down in uh, downtown Oklahoma City area. We've also, on the 23rd, have the Oklahoma Waterfowl Festival happening at GNH Decoys. September 29th, we have the Oklahoma Wildlife Foundation Call to the Wild Gala going on. If you haven't attended that, you believe in what the Wildlife Department is doing, man, jump on there. Go grab yourself a ticket. It is a wonderful event. Uh, you know, dress up. Uh, go go look fancy and uh, support what the Wildlife Department is doing there and you know through their foundation which is uh, a really great asset for our state and still new in its uh infancy not many years old at all but doing great work and helping the wildlife department achieve their mission so i would check that out um man what else? i think that's it right now that i can think of again we just got a minute here but what else is going on at the fly shop man the fly shop's doing great um lots of sales Go buy 50% off on all season-ending gear. Uh, A bunch of the fall stuff is arriving, and, you know, we did our best to try to bring in some stuff that uh, you wouldn't mind rocking hunting as well. So uh, swing by, check it out. Great stuff from Orvis, Sims, and Howler. Again, season-ending 50% off sales going on, and before you know it, uh, it'll be time to make some trips to Venice, Louisiana, and uh, our crew going to uh, Cuba, I think. There's one this fall, so... Uh, a lot going on. I'm headed to the White River in a couple of weeks. Nice. We got to talk yeah, about I got that. Some, I got some people for you. There you so go. So I, I did do some research on that for you. Sweet. J.D. Adams & Company is located on the northwest corner of 122nd and North May Avenue in Oklahoma City. Go check them out. Look for the sign that says Fly Shop on both the marquee and the side of the building. Guys, thanks for joining us this week. This has been awesome. Hey, I appreciate you having us, and Wade, I appreciate you joining, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. And uh, I'll just plug my cell phone real quick, um, 918-331-5555, 918-331-5555. Call me about whatever. That's awesome. It is so great to have people in your position that want to be that accessible and helpful. And like we said, there are so many questions about the outdoors and so many barriers. But to have a representative from the ODWC, especially on the law enforcement side, that is that interested in in working with the general public is really awesome. So thank you for that. Thank you. That is Wade Farrar, the Assistant Chief of Law Enforcement for the ODWC here in Oklahoma. Rhett Acker from Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company as well. I'm Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman, Stratton, Matt Goldbranson on the ones and twos. The Goldfish. The Goldfish. Check us out on social media. You can find the Outdoor Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Outdoor underscore Hour. You can find me at T underscore Maples on all social media platforms. Josh is at Against Current on Instagram. Underscore. Against current. underscore current. You're right. It didn't sound right. It's okay. At against underscore current on Instagram. That's going to do it this week for the Outdoor Hour. We'll see you next week. Until then, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.